Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Jesus Salas is a noted labor leader who, as a young man, was inspired by Cesar Chavez and helped to found Obreros Unidos, Workers United. The organization led a historic march from Watoma to Madison to demand lawmakers address the violations of the state's minimum wage laws and housing codes. In addition to fighting for migrant workers' rights, Salas also joined forces with other Milwaukee civil rights leaders, like Father Grappi and Vel Phillips, to advance even more community causes. Salas wrote a new book that explores the roots and legacy of the farm workers' movement and beyond, and it's called Obreros Unidos, published by the Wisconsin Historical Society Press. Salas joins me now to share more about what he's learned from decades of organizing, starting with the impact of organizing families. The first four, three or four chapters of the book, where, because of how, where I was situated in the workforce, we used to work in crews, like in the cotton fields, we were all segregated with the Afro-Americans. And uh, even here in Wisconsin, there would be different crews from different parts of Texas. So on the outside were the males, uh, our fathers, the older males, and then uh, the unmarried women were towards the end of the crew, and then the younger uh, those of us, and we started out very young, as, as you noted in the book, uh, I was seven years old when we started migrating. We were towards the, the center with our aunt, my mother and my aunt. So the picture that I write is of women working, women and children working. That, that was my point of view from the very beginning. And uh, the other thing that I think that is mindful of the, it being a family uh, workforce was we would have never had a youth movement. We would have never had a, a, a women's movement grow out of the farm workers' movement if it hadn't been family-based. So, you know, I tell my brothers and sisters in the labor movement now, you have to engage the whole family. You can't leave the, you know, mom at home, you know. This is primarily a male-dominated labor union, uh, uh, labor unions. You know the the other the other thing that uh, that I think is important in relationship to the family was the um, what we call social unionism. In other words, we wanted to provide services. Since we won elections for a union contract in in '67 after organizing '65 and '66, but Libby's wouldn't uh, the the company the multinational that we organized wouldn't negotiate with us. They moved all their operations out of state. So then we went into the process plants into Libby's uh, uh, canning company. So we went from the fields to the canning operations. And of course, I had been working with Chavez, Cesar Chavez, during this period of time. And he said, look, you've been at it almost five years. If you help me with the great boycott, uh, I'll help you with the, um, with, when in Wisconsin, once we went in California, I'll come and help you in, uh, in uh, Wisconsin. Who was to know it was going to take us five years to win the first contract in the Great Boycott? But here I come to Milwaukee in 1968. Of course, you know what was going on in Milwaukee in 68, the open housing uh, uh, marches, et cetera, Father Grappi and the Youth Council. But right. we kept on organizing families the same way that we organized in the field. So the whole nexus of uh, organizing youth, organizing uh, women, I think the, we, we had both, not only in the fields in central Wisconsin, but when we came here to Milwaukee also, because we never changed uh, our, our way of, uh, of organizing. Right. And on the note of Father Grappi and 
there was a movement between you and the other leaders like Grappi, Chavez, also Val Phillips, to name one, where you combined forces of the farm workers and the civil rights movements here in Milwaukee. And that's very, very little noted. Uh, I was very happy to address those issues. And I call it the intersection between the civil rights movement and the farm workers movement. And it, I don't know if it happened by accident, but when I came to Milwaukee, Father John Maurice at the uh, Archdiocese-funded offices at 524 West National gave me a back room to work the great boycott out of there. And lo and behold, that same summer of 68, Father Grappi is marching from the north side to Ellen Bradley, just several blocks down the, down the street. So I just walked over and introduced myself. And, you know, that was the beginning. That's how it started. That's yeah. how it started. <laughs> and uh, he joined with us at the great boycott in uh, Capital Drive against Kohl's Food Stores when we started uh, expanding the activities into uh, accessing the University of Wisconsin here at Milwaukee. He joined us uh, there. And of course, we joined together with the welfare marches. So I, I joined with not only Father Grappi, but I met Val Phillips and and uh, Orville Pitts. Uh, uh, Lloyd Barbie was a master of ceremony at one of our steel workers hall at that time. Uh, and then when we started, he started the lawsuit of the uh, uh, to desegregate the Milwaukee public school system, we piggybacked and and we we demanded the bilingual education and and uh, the hiring of uh, bilingual staff, et cetera. So yes, those things those those things intersected uh, the farm workers movement and the uh, and the civil rights movement. It's a great pleasure to work with Father Grappi, to get to know Val Phillips and and work with Lloyd Barbie in the desegregation lawsuit. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of lessons about strategizing and leadership did you learn from them when you were working well, with them? Well, it's interesting that you talk about lessons learned. And you always, you know, if you keep your eyes open, you're always uh, learning. Uh, this is the first time I ever lived in a city, That first of all, okay? The, being a migrant worker, we've just lived in uh, not only in rural areas, but in very small communities. So I was very apprehensive about living in Milwaukee. Of course, I can't, you know, I never survived the experience. I fell in love with it uh, uh, when I came here. But I recall Father Grappi, you know, uh, stopping over and watching us uh, organize at the Coles Food Store in, uh, in, uh, on Capitol Drive. And, and uh, he's telling me, he says, Jesus, you do a great job. You come out, you got all your, your leaflets printed. When the people come over, you give them the leaflet. Don't buy grapes and that, you know, write letters to the growers so they will negotiate with the farm workers in California and that. But, you know, you got to apply a little bit of direct action. He says, well, what, what is that, Father Grappi? And he says, well, you know, you've been, how many weeks are you going on now? More than a month that you've been here picketing and still, you know, they won't take the grapes off, you know. I says, yeah, you know, we get real angry about that. Well, why don't you go over when the, the customers are coming in, why don't you go over there and stop them <laughs> at the parking lot, talk to them, you know, tell them to go shop someplace else. And that's what we started to do. We started adapting and, of course, uh, and then we went even further when we, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, committing civil disobedience as such, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, peaceful, nonviolent, etc. Good trouble. You know, good trouble, <laughs> yes, as a congressman would say. But uh, yes, we learned quite a bit. We mentioned Cesar Chavez before. He said something along the lines of there are no natural-born leaders. Would you agree? Do you consider yourself oh, a leader? No, there, no, no. Well, there are people that have certain skills. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think people uh, associate oratorical skills with, you know, having the ability to be able to consider, but not necessarily as such a right out of college. 
of my sophomore year. And for the next three years, I worked uh, uh, organizing children, trying to get their, their parents to, uh, you know, uh, send them to Las Escuelitas, the little schools. And the schools grew from one demonstration project that's uh, 1962 to seven centers uh, all over central Wisconsin. So here I'm going back to Texas uh, to recruit because there was no bilingual faculty and we needed at least one bilingual faculty in each of those seven centers. So I had no authority to hire anybody. But the long and short of it is the United Migrant Opportunity Services, which is still going on right now 50 years mm -hmm. later, get funded to provide childcare, but in the southeastern Wisconsin. So not only had I been a, a, a farm worker and all the people, I, when I was organizing, people knew my background. And then when I, went, when I went back into the camps to organize the daycare centers, it was to convince the farm workers that this is what we should do to improve our working and living conditions. That was a task. Uh, it wasn't that I had no abilities or that, you know, but it was just a, how do we do this? And, of course, I was new to it. Uh, the very first strike was uh, a disaster, and I take full responsibility because uh, we got caught. Uh, we got caught without a lot of knowledge about uh, how you conduct a strike, you know, get assigned the cards. And, you know, farm workers, like everybody else, they don't like to sign things if they don't know what they're getting into, you know, so things like that. And mm -hmm. many of them had never even voted before. So the following year when we ordered an election, that was a the first time and many of them had ever voted because the franchise, of course, doesn't come until, uh, you know, uh, uh, the early, uh, the mid-60s. So, yeah, there was a lot of lessons learned myself. So, Caesar is right. You, uh, uh, yeah, there's no natural born leaders. You have to be trained. And to convince the, uh, the police and the authorities, the law enforcement, that we were a peaceful, you know, uh, demonstration. And we, you know, most of the time it, we did, but it took some time. Uh, I had never been to jail in all the years, like four or five years that I was in the, in the labor camps. When I got to Milwaukee, I couldn't stay out of jail, you know, but <laughs> every time we went out in the streets, you know, the sergeant would come in, that one, that one, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So so learning how to organize and then in turn learning how to lead. And, and how learning how to lead and learning how to live in a completely different environment, an urban mm -hmm. environment where... You know, the uh, we never had any, any difficulties, any challenges, that kind of challenges in the field. Uh, uh, we were out by ourselves most of the time, and unless, you know, the, uh, uh, it wasn't until we got here that we had to adjust those, uh, those issues. And they had to adjust uh, for us, too, so uh, make adjustments for us, too, so. Well, I mean, lots of adjustments, lots of decades <laughs> of action, lots of reaction right, yeah. and change. Right, and, right. Um, your book is not just about what you've helped move forward in the past. It's also about what's left to do and accomplish that's in front of us. So what are some key things you think need to change for Milwaukee's Latinx community to continue to thrive? Well, the uh, for instance, the University of Wisconsin at, uh, at Milwaukee could do a better job providing more extensive uh, hiring of the faculty. I know this is a, a bad time of the uh, fiscal year to be talking about that because of the present uh, legislature has not been very kind to funding the university, or even though, you know, we've uh, at the University of Madison, we've uh, kept tuition frozen for some time. And then the children qualified uh, applicants of undocumented have to pay out of state tuition. 
when I was a member of the Board of Regents, we convinced the chancellors to provide some assistance to them. And then I worked with Governor Doyle to uh, pass an in-state tuition for what we call the Dreamers. And then uh, uh, Governor Walker, when he came in in 2010, not only takes away our right to organize uh, as public employees, but takes away the uh, right of the Dreamers to uh, pay in-state tuition. So there's a big gap that needs to be remedied in Bosses de la Frontera. I'm still active with them to see if we can remedy that. The driver's license, that was just punitive. There was no reason. If you believe in safe roads, there shouldn't be anybody out there driving without learning how to drive. And, and the fact that you have a whole community uh, because they, they simply haven't uh, processed their documentation. Two political parties haven't been able to come together and resolve some of the issues. Look at the border, that is, uh, the issues that are going on right now, and uh, look at the, uh, at the idea of, uh, of inclusion and diversity in our colleges. And uh, the legislature just said $32 million at the University of Wisconsin are not going to be funded for this. Diversity and inclusion is not solely about uh, including African Americans or uh, Latinos, or in other words, a minority issue. I recall uh, um, young women coming from uh, rural schools who couldn't get into engineering program, that they had to be uh, supported with STEM programs, in other words, to enhance their mathematical skills to be able to get into their engineering uh, 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 programs. And I'm talking about 50 years ago. Uh, and now what do we have? We have almost as many, if not more, law students and uh, medical applicants, uh, uh, female as we do male. But it was because of those efforts that were made to enhance their mathematical abilities and other coursework that they needed to get in some of these ch courses that the poorly funded uh, rural schools that they came from that otherwise were outstanding students, their mathematical abilities and other skills had to be enhanced, just like uh, some of us that came from poor inner city schools that we needed to be uh, have our uh, our English and our math uh, uh, also enhanced. And, and that's what diversity is. It is about all. So those are the things I think that are still out there that weren't there when we were organizing uh, uh, that still need to be addressed. And it uh, takes all of us, takes a whole community to respond to that and to uh, uh, dwell into these issues and find out what's going on and to uh, be critical uh, about the issues that are uh, on the table as such. Jesus Salas is a noted labor leader and the author of Obreros Unidos, The Roots and Legacy of the Farm Workers Movement. You can find more information at wuwm.com, and while you're there, you can explore all the coverage we've done for Hispanic Heritage Month. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.